Get your popcorn ready for the College Baseball Insider Show with Matt Grissom and Quentin Mills, giving you all the insights and analysis you need for the weekend slate that college baseball has to offer. are your hosts ready to dive into the top matchups what's up college baseball insiders episode two talking the week seven weekend games i'm quentin here gonna walk you through the weekend i got matt grissom the other host of the show what's going on matt how are you ready to i'm get excellent started um, yeah, I'm excellent. I uh, I just came from opening day in D.C. The Nats took a loss, uh, so that doesn't bode for my over 57.5 win total. Uh, but we're going to bounce back on Saturday. Uh, but other than that, you know, college baseball, we're rolling tonight. I got four plays that I posted this morning. They're going to get me a 4-0. I just feel it. And then we're going to carry that momentum right into the, uh, the weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I'm ready to rock. Screw MLB. It's too hard. We're focusing on college baseball tonight, so let's get after it. Yeah, sorry about the Nats. I think you're probably going to experience a lot more losses this year, but hopefully they can bring you some excitement. You've still got to be reliving that World Series from a few years back. Oh, for sure. We never got to relive it due to COVID, so uh, I I relish it as long as I can. But uh, enough of the MLB talk. Why don't you get us started in the first college baseball game that we're going to talk about uh and i'm going to preface we're not going to be able to cover every game so if you're one of those persons who wants to hear a 80 game slate uh like greg peterson does first off fantastic on greg we're not as fast talking we're also not as intelligent in that sense to be able to remember all those numbers uh so we're going to dumb it down and we're going to take some big matchups but check our twitter because we may have a play outside of what we covered on the show uh, that we're going to play. We just didn't have enough time to cover it. So with that being said, why don't you uh, get us going in the first game? Let's start in the ACC. We've got Georgia Tech traveling to Boston to take on Boston College. Uh, the number 14 Eagles have have broken into the top 25 and are making some noise in the ACC. Um, I really don't know what the line is going to be on this. I would assume that you're going to have Boston College probably around a 125, 135 favorite. Uh, this this Eagles team is is surprising me, and I think a lot of their success is with their Saturday guy Chris Flynn, who we've backed several times. He's five and one on the year with a one eight ERA, uh, and then they can hit. I mean, they're they may not be as good hitting the ball as Georgia Tech, but Georgia Tech doesn't have the pitching to compete with Boston College. So I I don't have a side yet, but I'm interested to see how this how this line shapes up. Yeah, I, I like what you said there. Georgia Tech is obviously offensively um, a good team in the ACC. They can hit with anybody. They can hit with the best. The problem is they give up uh, just as many runs, and that's obviously cost them. That's why they have nine losses and four already in ACC. They're kind of a program that it just seems like year in and year out, they're, they're on the cusp of kind of breaking out. They'll have good flashes within the season. They play the ACC tournament pretty well, and then they just can't do anything the next year. And I think that's what we're seeing here. But then you look on the other side, and Boston College is kind of a no-name, especially in, in the northeast of baseball. It's hard to play there. It's hard to recruit because kids want to play in the south. They don't want to play in the cold until, you know, late April, mid-May. Uh, but kudos to them, right? They've, they've had a gauntlet schedule. Uh, they've, they took care of uh, Virginia Tech. They beat Tennessee in a midweek game. 
uh, and essentially a slugfest. I think they had four or five home runs in that game. Uh, and they're winning their weekend series as well as the, the midweeks, and that's all you can ask. I mean, they we, we just were texting, and I didn't pl- uh, post it. I wish I had. They were a dog, plus 154 against 20-ranked uh, UConn. Uh, that just seemed weird to us. The only thing that I could contribute to that was uh, almost all of their losses have come on the road, so that's where I think maybe they were kind of angling that. Uh, but they handled business. They won 6-3, to three, uh, and, it, and they scored early, so it, it – it, I think we're going to see uh, a high runs in both uh, Friday and Sunday, maybe a little lower on Saturday. Like you said, Flynn pitching, he has a low ERA. He's kind of a uh, sub two right now. Um, but I think if you get into a slug fest, if you're Georgia tech, while that bodes well for you offensively, it's going Boston college can, can hit home runs with the best of them as well, especially being in front of their home crowd. Pitching is going to matter. And I just think uh, at least on Saturday that, Boston College has the clear advantage, and I would almost give them the advantage all weekend. I do think Georgia Tech's going to get the win, but it's going to be either Friday or Sunday. I just don't see it happening on Saturday. Yeah, the way I'm going to gonna bet this, I'll probably back Boston College Friday, Saturday, and then I think Jackson Finley with Georgia Tech on Sunday, that's probably the one that they pick up. Would you Would you kind of put this line, just based on what we've seen, I mean, if they were a plus 150 dog on the road to 20 ranked UConn, obviously Georgia Tech's not ranked. I'm going to almost give Boston College somewhere in the 145 to 155 range uh, with that being said. Is that kind of where you're thinking it's going to be? Do you think it's going to be a little higher or maybe a little closer? I think it may be a little closer just because odds makers may not be focused on this matchup. I mean, with it being MLB opening weekend, you've already seen DraftKings and some other uh, big big name sports books not posting run lines. They're not posting uh, the totals like they had been. And I just I don't know if they've got the manpower to stay sharp on all these lines. Not that they really were to begin with, but I feel like you could probably get Boston College at a, at you know minus one twenty five to to one forty one thirty five somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah, I think you jump on that if that's they they may be looking too at the the batting for Georgia tech and think, well, if it turns into a shootout late, you know, who knows? Yeah. It'd be interesting to see. We'll see what those lines do tomorrow. They typically don't come out uh, anything past 24 hours. So we're kind of on a holding pattern. We're just going to give you our best advice as to what we think based on what we've seen. And I think we'll be pretty close. We're going to be off between 10 and 20 points, but I think that's pretty, pretty accurate in terms of a guide to kind of go off of when you're looking and you see these lines. So uh, what do you have on the next slate here, Matt? The uh, Maryland Terrapins are traveling to Iowa City to take on the Hawkeyes, who actually, Iowa, it looked, looked really good to begin the season. Their pitching was phenomenal. And then Maryland, you thought, all right, this is going to be, you know, one of the best best teams in the Big Ten, or at least I did, just because of their pitching with Savicool and Nick Dean. And – you know, they dropped early games to Ole Miss, which I didn't have Ole Miss rated that highly, so it kind of surprised me. I backed Maryland a lot when they played them. But this Iowa team, man, if if they're going to start Brody Brecht on Friday, I love this kid. I don't know if you saw on Twitter, he he's decided to forego playing football. He's going to focus on baseball, and I think that's just going to help him. I mean, obviously not this year because it the offseason hasn't started, but uh, I mean, he's two and one. He's got a two-two ERA. I mean, the kid, 
he can pump 98, 99, 100 mile per hour fastballs. And with what I've seen out of Maryland, I don't know if they're going to be able to hit him. Now, the rest of the series, we'll see what it what it holds. But right now, I'm leaning Iowa on Friday, and then depending on the price, may may look at him Saturday, Sunday too. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think Friday is pretty easy. I mean, you back Breck. He, like you said, he, he's a high '90s guy, and he throws it consistently. He's not going to touch it once or twice in a game. He's going to touch it at least once or twice in an inning. Uh, and, and like I said, I, I do think that. In my comment last night about how that's kind of normal these days, I think it's normal in somewhere like the Big 12, the SEC, your Southern schools where you get the prominent athletes. I don't think that's normal in the Big 10. I think Big 10 baseball is very hit or miss every year. I mean, you have your Michigans one year. You have Rutgers last year who could just hit the bomb uh, whenever they wanted. Uh, You know, you had a good Maryland team last year who seems to be, you know, coming around this year. But overall, baseball is not good in the Big 10. And, And everybody knows that who follows the game. I, I think Brody Breck is solid in the SEC. I don't think he's like the most elite guy, but he is in the Big Ten. And that's what we're concerned with here is a Big Ten matchup, right? Maryland is starting to come around. They had a really tough schedule. They took a horrible loss to Hawaii. I think that kind of shocked everybody early in the season. Uh, but it seems like they're kind of putting their woes past them. And I, I kind of actually like them to maybe make a statement here outside of Friday. Because I think that they could – last year they hit a lot of big-time moments, especially in the playoffs. They hit a lot of home runs late, and I think they're starting to get to that. You see they're starting to put up some runs where they maybe struggled earlier on, and they were only putting three or four. Now they're putting that 7-10 to range pretty consistently, and I like that about them. I think they're going to lose simply because of the the starting pitcher, you know, unless something freakish happens like an injury. So Chalk Friday up is an Iowa Hawkeye win. But I, I'm interested to see how much of a dog they are Saturday and Sunday because I think they can hang, and I think if it gets in a shootout, they can actually maybe hit those home runs uh, in the right time as well as big hits. So it'll be interesting to see. Those are two dog days that I might look into. Doesn't mean I'm going to lay it, but I'd like to see the number. If it's astronomical, then I think it's worth the value play. You think Maryland will be favored? No, I think Iowa. I, I was okay. ranked. Uh, you know, they have a signature win against LSU earlier in the year. Um, I, I think Maryland will be the dog. I just don't know how big of a dog. Uh, and that's going to be the question. Yeah. I think if you can catch them pretty big, you take them. Yeah, I can't bre- I can't bet against Breck, but he won me money in that LSU matchup. But uh, oh, yeah, yeah, outside yeah. of that, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. Watch that number. See if you can catch Maryland plus money, especially with Nick Dean going. Uh Going back to the ACC, we've got number 11, Louisville, traveling to Raleigh to take on NC State. And, man, what, what's going on with NC State? They're just – they don't look – they don't look like what they have been. Well, I think one of the problems is when they have a guy like a Tommy White, um, and, God, I can't think of his name. He pitched in the College World Series. He threw a gem against um, – against Vanderbilt in 21. He was a true freshman. That's when they got robbed out there uh, and essentially were disqualified due to COVID. When those guys get there, they become so big of a name that they transfer out. And I think that kills the program, right? They just don't have the momentum of guys staying and being able to recruit other players saying, come with me, let's go own the ACC and let's go make a a College World Series trip. They have to kind of play perfect baseball in my mind, kind of like Notre Dame did last year with a huge upperclassman class. Uh, and I just don't think they have the the power um, or the pitching 
quite honestly, when I look at Louisville, I mean, Louisville's got good pitching. Uh, they can hit home runs with anybody. Uh, now they are a little down, like last year's team could just crush the ball. I think they've had a little dip in production, but NC State, I just don't trust them, uh, especially in ACC play. They've already dropped six. Uh, this is a spot where I'm going to probably take Louisville. It may be a stay away because Louisville's on the road. Um, it's not one that I'm necessarily eyeing, but it's something that I'll uh, definitely look for and see a value. If I can catch Louisville at a good number, I'm going to roll it. But if they're a huge favorite, I probably won't touch it unless it's for parlay purposes because I just don't trust Louisville on the road uh, in the in the mishap that NC State actually shows up for once. Yeah, and I'm I mean I'm looking at the pitching matchups and you've got Matt Willodson. He's got a one seven three ERA and and Dom Fritton, who's got one point two. I mean, that's a those are great ERAs. But they're losing. They're just not getting it done. Yeah. Yeah, and they're I, losing. I don't know if it's lack of run support or or the the bullpen's blowing it, but I mean, yeah, I'm with you. I don't think you can back this Wolfpack team until they show you that they're capable of hitting the ball and getting into a shootout-type game and winning. Yeah, I agree. All right, Florida Gators, you know something about them, I think. <laughs> I, I think this is pretty lopsided, to be honest. We had the Sonny DeShera story last year, uh, and one thing I want to say is I found out a couple months ago his dad passed away. Incredible guy. I got to meet him out in Omaha. It's just so tragic. He was actually on the field. Uh, so so God bless the DeShera family. A uh, huge loss, and I hope Sonny can actually make an MLB career out of that in honor of his dad, even if it's just for a cup of tea in the big leagues. I mean, that's, that's you know, to watch his son play in Omaha was his dream, and he got to live it, and, and that was cool to meet them and kind of experience that with them. Uh, with that being said, they lost Tim Hudson on the pitching staff, which I think is huge uh, because he wanted to focus and watch his kids play sports, which totally understandable, but I think that's a huge loss outside of the, uh, the lines. Their pitching is – Decent this year. I don't think it's as clutch as it was last year late in the stretch. I mean, they were just mowing guys down at the perfect time, and they made a good run. I look at Florida's pitching matchup, and it's just a buzzsaw. When you have to pitch or hit against Brandon Sprout, going to be a first or second team All-American. He just threw a one-hitter uh, last week. Then you have to come back around and see Hurston Waldrop, who, keep in mind, was an All-American last year. He's actually kind of struggling a little bit, but he's finding his way in terms of he's throwing a lot of Ks. He just got hit last year pretty or uh, last week pretty decently, but I think he'll bounce back against a pretty inept Auburn offense, in my opinion. They only score roughly seven. Florida's putting ten. I think it's pretty lopsided uh, Friday, Saturday. I think if anybody uh, for Auburn has the ability to steal a win, it's going to be on Sunday against Cags. I think Cags is struggling a little bit with the SEC, especially with his walks. But if he can tailor those walks, He's unhittable because he throws gas just like Brody Beck, Chase Dollander, and those guys, but he keeps it low. He doesn't give up an astronomical amount of home runs. And by the way, when he bats, he's going to help support himself with hitting a, probably a home run or two. So then he's going to the mound, not caring because he's already got a lead. I just don't, I, I think this is probably one of the best case uh, scenarios for a sweep. Uh, as we talked about, South Carolina is probably going to uh, sweep as well. So, and Wake Forest. Yeah, I mean, the the Tigers faced Arkansas two weeks ago, and Arkansas swept them, and I think Florida is a better team. So we'll see. I mean, they did they did get the series win against Georgia, and say what you will about Georgia, I think they've, you know, they've got guys. And sure. 
getting blown out 24-7 in that last game <laughs> Sunday, which really didn't matter. You know, you can't take to heart a lot of these scores because at the time you're you don't really care who's pitching in a blowout like that. So uh but I, I don't know. I'm I'm with you. I think Florida can sweep them. I'd be interested to see what the price is going to be on this because I'm probably laying anywhere up to minus 200 with Florida. Yeah, parlay purposes, they're going to be in just about every parlay of mine. I think you're going to hit two, uh, at least two of them, at least on their leg. They're going to be pretty easy. Like I said, maybe Sunday is a little dicier with Cags. Uh, but definitely, I think they're worth the juice, just like we talked about Arkansas and some teams like that uh, that we'll get into some teams this week, just matchup dependent, are worth the juice. And I think the Gators are definitely worth that this week. And one last tidbit, why Langford had been out for their first two series or for their first series of SEC play. He came back against Ole Miss. It was very late decision. <clears throat> he got back into the groove quick. They played a doubleheader with the first game. I think he had a single. He went like one for five and then he hit a home run in the second game. So he's back and they were winning without him, which I think gives that team even more confidence to say, look, we had essentially our best player out with a groinal injury. We can win without him, but damn, we can win a lot more with him. And he's back, and he's he's probably going to feel a lot better than he did last weekend. So I think that's going to help as well. So let me ask you this as a Florida fan. Do you think Caglione should be pitching too, or should he just be focused on, on playing first base and batting? You know, that's a tough question, I think. First off, Kevin O'Sullivan is probably one of the best pitching-oriented uh, coaches. He He's known for not hurting or overstressing players. Uh, he, he definitely errs on the side of caution, and I think it's sometimes it, it's hurt them in a playoff race uh, because of that. Like last year, I think they should have thrown Sprout in that last game against Oklahoma, but he didn't want to hurt his arm. And I, and I have to respect that. It's frustrating in the moment. So I think he's okay to pitch. I really trust Kevin O'Sullivan. But they're also missing Pierce Kapala, who should be coming back for some SEC play. I think what you'll see is maybe CAG go to like an every other start uh, to try to limit those uh, that arm fatigue for him and kind of maybe get him ready for the, the postseason. Because if you have Pierce Kapala who can throw somewhat decent and get you through SEC play, that only makes you more dangerous because you have four solid arms who have good experience to throw in a regional, a super regional, and then a college world series where you might get in a game where you got to throw two or three, four guys, and then you have to rely on a quick bounce back because you're in a losing bracket or something like that. I think they have the ability to do that as long as Kapala can come back. If he's not back, then I think Cags is going to go the stretch and pitch the whole season. I'm with you straight from a Florida insider. Uh, next up, let's go to the Big 12. We've got number 21, Texas Longhorns, who had a very questionable move in the midweek, uh, taking on number 17, Oklahoma State. Outside of Tennessee, LSU, this is the only matchup, I think, that both teams are ranked inside the top 25. But going back to the the odd move on Tuesday, I guess they just really wanted to beat Texas A&M because in comes Lucas Gordon to shut it down, basically, for the Longhorns. So I put in my preview, and, and I'll post those on our Patreon and on Twitter in a little bit, but I'm going to assume he's going to go Saturday, could go Sunday, but that puts Travis, I don't know how to, is that Steel. Steely? I think Steel. Steel. Yeah. yeah. So if he's your Friday guy, I think that may be the time to back Oklahoma State. I mean, do you have a lean either way? I, I don't really like backing Brian Hendry, but 
I think, I mean, I, man, this one, I don't even, I think this is going to be like a minus 120 game, whether what side you choose. I would say, man, I don't even know which way they could go. I think Texas being on that 15-game win streak could alter the number. But they struggled early on. And so did – like I've watched some of Okie State's game, and they've kind of struggled to score at times, and that's concerning uh, because overall Texas pitching is decent this year. It's not elite like they had last year, but it is decent, especially with Lucas Gordon on the mound. Uh, whether it's Friday or Saturday, I think you're going to get a less version of him if it's Friday because he's going to be going on shorter rest. I think the smart move is to pitch him Saturday, right Friday off. If, if if you win that game, it's a win. And then you essentially have Saturday, your ace going to close the series. I think that's a great position. The problem is, for me, is the hitting. Now, Texas during this game, 15-game winning streak has hit timely, but they're not elite, right? I, I look at their team, like Dylan Campbell was supposed to be this outbreaking star this year. Uh, he's not doing it right now. He's he's kind of struggling, in my opinion. Uh, but then you look at, uh, I mean, Powell and Kennedy. Kennedy's kind of come on late. I just don't see where the other offense is coming. And then you look at Okie State. You got Rock Reggio, Nolan McClain, and, and Schubert, who are, are bona fide hitters. We saw it last year, and they're doing it again this year. I would have to give the lean to Okie State. I know it's probably going to be the juice side, uh, but I think they're the better team. I, I think that was a dumb move for at least Friday purposes to throw Lucas Gordon. Who cares? AM's not that great, in my opinion. Yeah. You've won 14 out of 15 if you lose that game. Why, <laughs> why would you put your head down? I think you just hurt yourself going into a huge series uh, when we all know. In the grand scheme of things, the Big 12 games mean more than an SEC midweek rivalry uh, because that's what they care about is conference seeding and conference tournaments. So I think that was a weird move. I would lean Friday, Okie State. Lean lean probably Texas Saturday, and then I, I'd i have to see on Sunday how both teams played Friday and Saturday to give you an opinion, honestly. I think LeBaron Johnson's getting good uh, at the right time, but I don't know, man. I just, I'd have to see how they play. Yeah, Watts Brown. I mean, I if I had to lean one way or the other, I'd probably back him over Johnson. But there could be a little chess match going on if if Texas takes game one. I don't know if you. I think Lucas Gordon, if he goes Saturday, that's an auto play. They would probably rather win Saturday than try to compete Sunday. So I almost think that if they get Friday Saturday, they may start the bus early on Sunday, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Try to get yeah. out of there. Absolutely. Now, Johnson did have a good start against a power LSU midweek team, so he definitely can throw strikes. It's just if he is. So going back to the SEC, let's uh, let's talk about Alabama and Arkansas. And I'll spearhead this. with <laughs> I, I'm not ever going to question Dave Van Horn, but when I'm sitting here plugging these numbers in, looking at these guys, I mean – the fact that we don't have uh, Hagen Smith starting on Fridays, and granted, Hunter Holland has been phenomenal. I mean, he he is a solid Friday guy. Maybe maybe should be a Saturday guy when he's compared to Hagen Smith, but Hagen Smith being in this utility pitcher role, and we burned him against LSU. We we had to win that game against Paul Skeens. But then he's done. I mean, we we literally just burned our 1A and 1B of our rotation. And then Will McIntyre got shelled again, who, you know, he he is hot and cold. He threw a one-hitter, uh, pitched a full game under 100 pitches uh, against Louisiana Tech, and then, you know, it, it's just up and down. 
Cody Adcock is filling in on Sunday as a Sunday guy. I don't think that's going to last long term. We'll see. Uh, I'm, I mean, he's got a six four three ERA. McIntyre's got a five two three. You know, knowing SEC baseball, you can't have. I mean, in the SEC to win, especially to get to Omaha and win, your pitchers need to be sub three. Yeah, all three of your starters and. I, I don't know. Hopefully, with Tiger coming back in a couple of weeks, he can reassume that that closer role and maybe take the pressure off of Hagen Smith having to throw 50, 60 pitches a game. But I don't know. Hunter Holland Friday, I think it's a no-brainer, but Ben Hess kind of scares me. His numbers are good. As far as batting, I think the Hogs have the, the better batting team. Uh, but our, I think this is going to be a closer series than what people think. And it, Luke Holman going Saturday against Will McIntyre. If Big Mac's not throwing strikes, it may be a long day and it may be a shootout. So I I think ultimately, just given the pitching we've got, we probably win the series, but I think it's 2-1. I think Alabama gets one. Yeah, I would say that. They got one against Florida. The only caveat that I'll say, uh, yes, I do think you have to have uh, somewhere in that three range. But you look at a team like Arkansas, right? They can obviously score runs almost at will. Uh, they just have to turn it on. They have the pitching talent, right? It's there. We, we've seen it. We've seen what they can do. I think it's still a little early in the season. I think they'll kind of settle in. Uh, I think it helps that they're <clears throat> home. But when you look at Florida, like they're, they don't have sub two guys. Uh, when you look at Hurston Waldrop and Cags and Sprouse, Sprouse obviously the better of the three ERA wise. And they're still winning games because they can just outslug you. And I think Arkansas can do that in this series. Now, Florida didn't – they had to do a doubleheader. They won the first two, and then I think they kind of just punted the second two. It's tough on doubleheaders to have yeah. an 18, 19-year-old kid play two games in a row. Um, I, I think Bama will get one. Uh, but I, I think Arkansas wins this series. Again, I think the ERA isn't going to be as big of an issue uh, because I think they're just going to out-talent Bama. I think Bama's a good program on the rise. Uh, so kudos to what they've done last year. They made a decent run in the SEC tourney. Uh, and I think they're continuing in that this year. But I don't think that they're at the level of SEC play to really do much against teams like Arkansas, LSU, Tennessee, Florida. I think they're going to get one of two each series or one of three each series. But I just think they're they're not quite there yet. So I actually have a little more confidence in Arkansas uh, probably than you do. I just – McIntyre might be the only loss. But when I look at Holland and Adcock, I mean, I, I just think – and then you add in the offense. I mean, keep in mind, I'm looking at your sheet, Brady Slavin's – can turn it on as well. He's kind of struggling right now, but the guy was a household name last year. Uh, so you get him going, that's four incredible hitters. It's hard to pitch against something like that. Yeah. And Peyton Stovall is another guy that I think he could really yeah. get it going. If for whatever reason, it just hadn't come yet. There are a couple other matchups that we didn't break down yet, but I just want to ask you if you have any lanes being up there in, in Virginia, but Virginia, Virginia tech, you've got the, the Cavs that are coming in, what, 23 and two on the yes. year? Uh, only two losses were in conference play. Virginia Tech, not that great this year, which kind of surprises me because I know they returned Drew Hackenberg and another pitcher that I thought would be a lot better this year. But for whatever reason, they just, uh, Griffin Green, but so, they're, they're not pulling it together. So I have two takes. I, I was completely wrong about UVA's pitching staff. I had question marks uh, because of what they lost last year. 
talent-wise. Uh, they lost their Friday and Saturday starter, and that was concerning to me. The offense was there with Kyle Teal, uh, Jake Geloff, who's incredible at third base defensively and offensively. Uh, then you move over, and I'm forgetting his name. He plays shortstop. He's an incredible hitter. Uh, then you have Ethan Anderson, who's another great hitter. They've lived it up, right, offensively, but we knew that. They've actually lived it up uh, defensively in the field and in the pitching. So I'm pleasantly surprised. Um, and I know my father-in-law is a huge uh, Cavs fan, so he's he's excited. He keeps blowing me up, like, when are they going to get in the top ten? And I was like, just give them time. they got to play some competition in ACC play, and they'll get there. And they have. Tech, I said last year, I think they overplayed. Um, I think they kind of had one of those perfect years, everything, the home run, the the sledgehammer bit, like they were just feeding off that, and they had an incredible run. Hats off to them. I think they're regressing a little bit, kind of like Tennessee. Tennessee almost had that perfect season uh, of what you would consider one, and they're kind of regressing a little bit this year. I think Texas is in the same thing. They can hit the home run with anybody. They Their bats are popping, uh, but I'm actually not sold on Hackenberg. Now, the reason I say that is he kind of struggled against Oklahoma. So when they played a really good Southern base, you know, Southern uh, to Midwest team, they struggled against uh, Oklahoma. And I think that's kind of telling, you know, when you start playing good teams like UVA or um, UNC even could be a team that can kind of give them some struggles. I think UVA is probably going to take two or three in a series because I, again, I think it's the regression in tech. And, and I think what we saw last year was way above their ceiling. Yep, I'm with you there. I think Virginia handles them. Uh, they may even sweep them. I'm not sure. Sweeps uh, going because it's for a, it's a rivalry, but yeah, it's yeah. That's, I, give me the Cavs two out of three. That's what I was about to say. Anytime you've got a rivalry or you get put in a double header position, a sweep is damn near impossible. Yeah, but um, I, one more that I want to touch on, and it's more of just a respect to Kentucky. They're 22-3 and three on the year. They're coming off of a series win against Alabama at Alabama, and they swept Mississippi State to open up conference play. They get a Missouri team who, to be honest, after leaving Globe Life and seeing them go 2-1, and one, beating Texas and TCU, I was pretty impressed with Missouri. Then they sweep Tennessee, and you're like, holy crap, what is Missouri baseball? I mean, they were predicted to finish last in the SEC, only to follow it up with getting swept by South Carolina. Yeah, I mean, it, there's not a more hot and cold team, I feel like, in college baseball. Do you have a lean either way if you get some plus money on either of these schools? I probably would roll the dog. Kudos to Kentucky, like I said, off the air. Last year, they were the only – a series winner against Tennessee. They have brought a lot of that talent back. So I think they're on the rise. I'm also going to give them kudos. I love the cream and blue jerseys. I think they play incredible. I'd play in those all three days if I was them for the rest of the season. Uh, Missouri. Missouri was not expected to do well. They, they're really not a baseball program, right? They've had one-offs. They've had a Max Scherzer come through. Uh, but he was kind of raw talent out there, uh, and he's turned in a hell of a career. But they're playing good baseball. Now, I think what happened is when they swept Tennessee, they were on such a high. Like, there's no way you can continue to play on clock 12. So, I think as emotional as that series was, uh, I think that we saw them kind of come down to earth. I think uh, South Carolina was prepared for them saying, oh, shit, like they just beat a top 10 team in the country. We better prepare. And mm -hmm. I think Missouri kind of was still basking in that glory of like, holy shit, we just beat Tennessee. Three out of three. It wasn't a series when it was a sweep, which we all know is extremely tough. 
especially in the SEC with all the talent. So I think they came back to earth. I think they'll be motivated to play because it's kind of the reality check. Like you're not as good as you think you are. You just won three and you lost three just as fast. I would probably lean the dogs in all three. And, and I, I think if you hit one of them or two of them, you're looking pretty good because I think the teams are pretty evenly matched in my opinion. Yep. And speaking of dogs, my biggest dog that I played in the midweek was Cal State Fullerton. They beat a UCLA team 15 to five that I think is highly overrated. They host or they travel and play Washington State. And this is one I'm just kind of going in blind with you, but if you're going to get two to one on Washington State, and again, we're recording this before the lines are posted, I don't think this UCLA team is that good. And the fact that any Pac 12 team you're going to give me plus 200 or more on, and this is all hypothetical, but huh. I'm probably going to bet Washington State every game if you're going to give me a plus 200 or more price. And Washington State's not anything to write home about. However, they, they're they 15 and nine. They beat uh, who? I'm trying they're, to remember. Oh, Oregon State. So they won. They won a series against Oregon State, who I know is down this year. But you know, it's still Oregon State. They're up there with Stanford as far as being yeah. like one of the Pac-12 blue bloods. So uh, keep an eye out for the Cougs. I think they could they could make this a, a series. They're hosting, if I'm not mistaken, correct, Washington State. Um, yes, you're correct. That tells me right there, if you get a home dog, and I think this is probably in a lot of sports, if you catch a home dog in a good value, I think you take it, right? I think there truly is a thing in home field advantage. Maybe not so much as in the pros, but I, th I really think in the college, because again, these kids are 18 to 20 years old. Uh, they haven't been around for seven, eight years to where nothing affects them. I think, I think the noise of a hostile environment gets in their head and puts some pressure on them. UCLA, we kept hearing them. You know, they're going to be back this year, right? It's their year. They're going to run the Pac-12. Stanford might be a little down. They lost their number one last year. Oregon State lost some talent. They're a little down, but they're still a tough out, right? It's so hard to go to Corvallis and play um, as well as them leaving. You know, they're, they're, they're not an easy uh, victory. Where, why, why was UCLA so um, pumped up or elevated like we're back? I mean, was it there because they really don't hit the ball that well? I mean, we saw them against Vandy in a huge series early on, and they both teams kind of struggled to hit. Pitching-wise, I think they looked better in that series than they are probably because Vandy wasn't hitting the ball either at that time. So exactly. I, I think they're overhyped. I don't think their pitching's back. I don't think their offense is back. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe I'm not following enough, uh, you know, closely, but I just don't see it. And like you said, if you can catch a home dog at a good price, I, I mean, you might lose all three. It is what it is. But I think you play a smaller unit on that, and then you you take at least one of them as a victory. Um, another Pac-12 team that I think – I think they are they have something. I just don't know if they're consistently good is Oregon. I think they're kind of in the same boat right now as, as UCLA, like – I know uh, Ben and Dimitri kind of talked them up. They started out, I believe, 24, 25 in the rankings. I'm just not seeing it. They don't scare me. Uh, I will say I did like the kid who hit the home run with a wooden bat after he found out that he could use one. Uh, but, but that's not a winning recipe, right? They play with metal bats for a reason. Um, I just don't see them making as much noise as maybe people think they will in the Pac-12. I, I think you have... Stanford up here, and then I think everybody else is kind of down here talent-wise and, and how the season will play out. Yep, I'm with you. Well, man, I'm excited. Uh, we're 
ending the show right in time to to catch the Tennessee LSU series uh, opening. So, cheers to you. Let's recap a couple of our quote unquote best bets. I know we're we're not be able to make them yet, but um, do you have anything you love? Yeah, I'm telling you right now, Florida. Uh, if they're sub 200, it's going to be on my card as a uh, individual play. Uh, I would even take a minus 400 just to kind of up a leg and a parlay. I believe in them that much. South Carolina, same thing uh, that I touched on yesterday in Wake Forest. I love that parlay. Um, Texas and, and Okie State, I'm, I got to see if Lucas Gordon's pitching before I make a definite move there. So that's kind of on standby. But I probably will make the play. At, I'll take Okie State when he's not pitching. Um, Arkansas, I think it's another pretty easy one for me. Georgia Tech, I'm probably going to – stay away from I talked about like their pitching Boston College I, I kind of just want to watch that and, and see like this is a good team for Boston College are they real deal so I'm going to probably stay off of that um, there's a lot I have to see I, I really do I don't want to give out too much info but I think Arkansas um, individually minus you know 200 or less Okie State when Lucas Corn's not pitching and then Florida minus 200 or less individually as well as a parlay yeah I'm with you on Florida and Arkansas uh, Brody Brecht with Iowa. I'm going oh, yeah. to miss out the Hawkeyes. Uh, and then, depending on the line, probably Louisville. And um, yeah, I, Boston College, I've got to back Chris Flynn on Saturday, but I'll probably stay away from uh, from the opening game. Yeah. Add, uh, add Brody Brecht and Iowa Friday night onto my card. I missed that one. I knew I was missing one. Well, that wraps up the show. Make sure you are following us at CBSB Insiders on Twitter, and you can go to C, uh, CBSBinsiders.com, and it will take you over to our Patreon account where we'll post all of our breakdowns, all of our picks, and I'll be posting them on Twitter, at Grissom Tweets. Q? I got nothing. I think you hit it all. Check our Twitters. Uh, there's going to be some games that we're – Looking at, we're going to post our plays on Patreon, if you remember there, as well as Twitter. So just keep an eye on that. Listen to this as your guide. Again, we didn't have lines, so just bear with us as we kind of work through that in a college baseball world. But I feel like we gave good information, at least get you kind of on a lean, per se. So just follow our Twitter, and you'll see our official place. Yes, and our Patreon account is free. All you've got to do is join. Uh, thank you for joining us. Y'all have a good night. See you.